welcome, R.C., welcome. Amen. Amen. How many of you love the Lord this morning? How many of you are glad to be in the house of God this morning? Bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do in us everything that has to be done, that needs to be done to bring us to the next level and the next dimension for what you desire to do in us and through us. And Father, I speak on this Pentecost Sunday victory in the lives of everybody in this building, Lord. And I pray and ask you, Lord God, that anybody in this building that is not right with you, that today will be the day that their name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And I pray, Lord God, that anybody in this building that has not already been filled to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and power that today will be that day that they receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And Father, I pray that sick bodies will be healed. I pray that people will be delivered from, from bondages that the devil is keeping, using to keep them from coming into the fullness of what you have for them, Lord God. I speak it done according to the word of God. For Lord, you said death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I speak life for Refuge Church. I speak life for every family, every home, and every ministry that is represented in this church body. I speak life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said Amen and amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Such an honor and a blessing to be here this morning with Pastor Tony and Pastor Bethany and at Refuge Church. And I'm so thankful in advance for what God is going to do in your life. And I pray that you came this morning expecting for the power of God to flow in your life. Amen. It is a blessing to have my beautiful wife Angie with me. And I want to have her stand if she will. And I want you to make her feel welcome this morning at Refuge Church. Amen. We have four children and uh, uh, two of them are in Bible college. One of them works at the church where we attend the assembly in West Monroe. And, uh, uh, and then uh, one of our daughters, well, two of our daughters were also work at Chick-fil-A. And uh, so, uh, uh, but uh, we're just so thankful that all four of our children are saved and full of the Holy Ghost. And we're so thankful for that. And that is such a wonderful thing. And uh, so you uh, pray for our family while we are out. We're actually going to leave here today and go on over to Jackson. And we will be, I will be preaching a, a regional uh, women's uh, ministry uh, a teen challenge conference uh, in Jackson. So pray for me while we are there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Amen. And, uh, and, and just that the Lord will break every bondage off of those uh, young ladies and bring them to the next level in what God has for them as well. Amen. Uh, before I get into the word of God, I want to say that uh, if you will keep us in your prayers, the ministry that God has called us into. I've been on the evangelistic field now for uh, about 30 years. And uh, the Lord has been opening up some magnificent doors across America and around the world. Most of you know that every August we do a big...
big project on American Family Radio that is on in this area where that we give away thousands of Bibles to young people all across America that have never had a Bible and distribute these Bibles right here. We've given away now a total of more than 2.5 million of these Bibles to young people. And we have received decision cards from more than 25,000 young people that have been saved for the first time as a result of getting a copy of this Bible. So if you will pray for that project, the project this year starts, uh, this is our 18th year that we've done this on American Family Radio. We do these, we give these Bibles out all over the nation and uh, uh, these Bibles uh, have got the entire New Testament but comic stories in the front section that deal with the truth about things like Drugs, drunkenness, peer pressure, abortion, homosexuality, drugs, drunkenness, peer pressure. We deal with the truth about things like pornography, uh, uh, sorcery, witchcraft. We deal with the truth about things like cutting, sexting, bullying, honor. We deal with a lot of things that our young people need to know the truth about. Amen? In those comic stories, we put the plan of salvation in each one of them so that not only will they uh, uh, find out the truth about these things, but most importantly that they'll find their way to the foot of the cross and get saved. Because how many of you know that if they will come to Jesus, God will take the, the desire for those other things away from them. Amen? That's how it works. So you pray for us that God will continue the work that he's done there with that. And also, we have uh, uh, got this Bible now, the Truth for Youth Bible, now in Spanish. And we have been given the approval to put 1.4 million of these Bibles, this is the Truth For Youth Bible in Spanish, into communist Cuba in the hands of 1.4 million young people that have never had a Bible, never had a Bible. So you pray with us. We've been to Cuba now twice. We will be back there for a giant truth rally August 12 through 19 where we will be giving these Bibles away as well as uh, distributing uh, the full Bibles to people that have never had a Bible before. Can you imagine living in a home and never having had your own Bible? It's hard to fathom here in America. But in Cuba, there are hundreds and thousands of people, millions of people in Cuba that have never had their first Bible. So you pray with us because we are, are in the process right now of giving away 1 million full Bibles to all of the adults and 1.4 million Bibles of the Truth For Youth Bible to the young people in Cuba that have never had a Bible. So please pray for us as we do that, as the Lord opens up these doors. It is a miracle that we have got permission from the communist government of Cuba to give Bibles away in the country of Cuba to people that have never had a Bible. So pray with us as we do what God has called us to do. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. I love the Word of God. How about you? Joel chapter 2. I have a word from the Lord this morning. If ever I have had a word from the Lord this morning, I have a word from God this morning. Now listen carefully. When you leave this morning, on my table in the foyer, and many of you got the God's Word giant print translation Bible that I had when I was here last year. It is a phenomenal translation. I have that very same Bible, but it is a different kind of Bible. It is in the God's Word translation, but this is called the Praying the Scriptures God's Word translation. 
How many of you know that whenever you pray, you should pray the word of God? This has got in excess. Now, what sets this Bible apart, you won't find another one like it anywhere. What sets this Bible apart is not only does it have the Old and the New Testament and the God's Word translation, but it has in excess of 4,500 prayers based on the Word of God. The Word of God. This Bible will help you pray the Word of God more than anything you will find anywhere. And when you begin to pray the Word of God, you will see how that the Lord will catapult your prayer life to a brand new dimension. I encourage you to get this Bible. You can get it in the bookstore for $70 plus tax. It's worth every penny of that, $70 or $75. It's worth that, but with the permission of the publisher, I'm able to make this Bible available on my table as you leave this morning for only $30. That includes the tax. But we're going to do this this morning, Angel. We're going to make this Bible available for only $25, and that includes the tax. It's the best deal you will find on a Bible anywhere, and you won't find another one like this. It's got the Lord's Prayer on the outside cover as well uh, in conjunction with this being called the Praying the Scriptures Bible. It is phenomenal. I do have a very limited supply of these, and when they're gone, I've got another limited supply, just so that you'll know. Amen? And I want to give this one to Pastor Bethany. And uh, Pastor Bethany and Pastor Tony, I want you to know I appreciate our friendship. And I appreciate what the Lord is doing through your ministry here. I appreciate your integrity. I appreciate your, your character. I'm looking at both of you right now because I know that you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. This Bible is for you. And I want, the pastor, I want this church body to let Pastor know and Pastor Bethany know how much you appreciate their ministry here. Amen. How many of you appreciate it very much? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 mighty couple of God. Greatest days of ministry are in front of you. Now, you just sat back down, but stand up for the reading of the word, amen? Joel chapter 2, Angie, if you will, take those for me. Joel chapter 2, verses 21 through 28. The first two words in this passage of Scripture... It's in the Bible more than anything else. Fear not. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will do great things. You know what I like about that? It doesn't say that God might or maybe he will, but it says he will do great things. How many of you are glad about that? Be not afraid, ye beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and it will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. 
And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The title of my message this morning, Restoring the Year of the Locusts. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Ghost, have your way, do your work, and accomplish what you want done in the lives of everybody listening to my voice at Refuge Church. I speak it done in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I heard a very interesting story about Jimmy Carter the other day. After he'd finished one year at Georgia Tech, he he went to the Annapolis Training Academy because he wanted to become a part of the nuclear submarine project. Admiral Rickover was in charge of this project and he was personally screening everybody that was being interviewed for these positions. While interviewing this young man, Jimmy Carter, he asked him about two and a half hours worth of questions. Jimmy Carter said he just sat there and, and with the sweat puddled up in his shoes. Finally, as they came to a close in the interview, Admiral Rickover looked at him and he said, Jimmy Carter, where did you place in the graduating class at your academy? Jimmy Carter stood up and proudly said, 59 out of 850. That's pretty good. Admiral Rickover looked at him and he said, did you do your very best? Jimmy Carter said he just stood there and he melted. He thought about all the days that he wasted all the times that he goofed off, all the days that he didn't do his very best, and he had to say, no, sir, I did not do my very best. Admiral Rickover looked at him and he said, why not? Why not? And friend, I believe that'd be a real good question for Refuge Church right now. Look right here. Why not? Why not? Why do we not give God our very best? There can only be one answer to this question, and that is that we put other gods before our real God. Why do we not give God the very best of our time and our talent? Why do we not give God the very best of our abilities? Why do we not give God the very best of our worship? Why do we not give God the very best of our money? And then we have the audacity to come to church and bellyache and complain and say, well, church isn't what it used to be or church isn't what it ought to be. Now look right here. You can look at the real Pentecostal church in the book of Acts and you can look at what we call the Pentecostal church today and realize something is missing. Something is not right. We're not experiencing everything that we should be as real Holy Ghost fire-filled believers. And if we'd all just get down this morning and pull off the mask, rip off the facade and get rid of the garbage, some of you sitting right here would have to admit, Brother Todd, you're right. I'm living a meager existence on the things of God and I'm not experiencing everything that I should be as a bona fide Holy Ghost filled believer. And I hear some people say, oh, you better not confess bad things like that. Well, honey, lying about it isn't gonna make it get any better. And friend, if we'd all be honest, some of you sitting right here would have to admit, Brother Todd, you're right. I don't have the fire that I want you to have. I don't have the zeal that I want you to have. I don't have the excitement that I want you to have. And when we will admit that, we are on our way saying, God, do a new work in me. God, do a new work here at Refuge Church. Lord Jesus, we want you to come down here this morning and turn this place right side up for you. Now hear me. I did not come here on Pentecost uh, uh, Sunday morning to to speak like things. I came preaching radical change. And listen, if we want to see God move the way that he desires to move here at Refuge Church, the first thing we've got to do is get all the garbage out. 
but I know that God wants Refuge Church to be full of life. And in John 1, 4, it is a radiant life. That says, in him was a life, and the life was the light of men. John 3, 16, it is to be an everlasting life. John 10, 10, it is to be an abundant life. That says, the thief came to steal, to kill, to destroy. You know what I like about that? It says the thief came to steal, to kill, to destroy, but it doesn't say he ever got the job done because then Jesus jumped back in there and said, but I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. John eleven twenty five. it is to be a new life. Again, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, it is to be the only life. Again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes into the Father except by me. Nehemiah 8, 10, it is to be a joyful life. That says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. Now, I've got news for you. That doesn't mean that like we Pentecostal preachers are preaching for so many years that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that means you're going to have little sugar-coated doodads running up and down your back and launch into an unbalanced giggling revival. Oh, my. But, but it means, what it literally translates is this. When your life becomes a joy unto the Lord, He will give you the strength that you need to go on. Yeah. And I love the J.B. Phillips translation of Philippians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, tell God every detail in your life. That's one of the biggest problems we've got in the church world today. Just getting people to be honest with God when they're going through trials. Because we've got a religious group that's been on the scene for about 40 years now that if you tell them that you're sick in your body, they'll look at you and they'll say, oh, you better not confess bad things like that because God is listening and you might upset the angels of heaven. Let me tell you something, friend. When I don't feel good, God already knows that I don't feel good. It's right for me to tell him I don't feel good. When I don't feel like preaching, God already knows that I don't feel like preaching. It's right for me to tell him that and when I don't feel like getting in the pulpit you know what I do I go to God I get down to my knees I say God I don't feel good today and God comes on the scene he says Tim I know all about it but you get in that pulpit and preach and I'll give you the strength that you need to go on and it's time for us to be honest with God and say God I've got a problem in my life and I need your help today God wants refuge church to be full of power Never have I seen a group of people talk more about power than we Pentecostals, but then put less of it on display. Oh, we say we've got the power of God, then we can't even heal a headache. Uh Uh-oh. Let me tell you something about this Pentecostal movement. It's like a woman with an ugly baby. It's my baby, so I'll talk about it. We don't need these idiot fruitcakes like like Jimmy Kimmel that come on late night television poking fun at the Pentecostal church. I know this thing's got blemishes, but it's still my baby, and I still love it with all my heart. I'm not here at Refuge Church because I don't care. I do care, but I know that God wants the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost to be prevailing in the church body. Luke 24, verse 49, he said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you have been endued with the power from upon high. That word endued, it literally translates to be wrapped up, to be clothed in the power of God. And Acts 180 said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And friend, in Refuge Church, we need the Holy Ghost power to sweep down through here and hear me. If God wants to take over during the offering, let him take over. If God wants to take over during during the announcements let him take over if God wants to take over during the preaching let him take over and it's time for us to cry out this morning and say God come down here and baptize us again with the power of the Holy Ghost but you see for the past 40 years we have filled our churches with people that have only heard about getting filled with the Holy Ghost 
They've only heard about a sovereign move of God. And then when we Pentecostals weren't able to produce it anymore, another religious group came on the scene. They mocked it, faked it, mimicked it. On what we call Christian TV, a few weeks ago, one of our so-called up-and-coming prominent charismatic preachers. If I called his name, everybody in here would know who it is, so I'm not gonna do that. But he was parading his congregation around the sanctuary and they all had their hands on each other's hips and they were swaying back and forth like a choo-choo train. And I thought, oh, I know there's a whole lot more to this thing than just a sideshow. And after a few minutes of parading around the sanctuary, the pastor got back up on the platform and very mild-mannered. He said to the church body, he said, okay, everybody go back and sit down. And they all went back to their seats. Now, friend, if that would have been a real sovereign move of the Holy Ghost, those people wouldn't have heard a word that preacher said. They'd have been running and jumping and shouting under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You could have put a bullhorn up to their ears and yelled as loud as you wanted to and they wouldn't have heard it. Amen. But the locusts came by, plural. And I want us to break this down this morning. First of all, I want you to look at the pommel worm. The pommel worm eats the top of the plant. The pommel worm steals the exceeding joy that you have. Well, you remember the exceeding joy that you had when you first got saved? When you came to church? And nobody had to tell you it was time to clap your hands? You just clap your hands because you love God with all your heart? That was before we all became a bunch of trained seals. Sometimes when I come to church, I feel like an idiot. You don't even need your brain anymore. Just leave your brain at home and whoever's leading the service will tell you what to do. Sit down, stand up, sing fast, sing slow, clap your hands, raise your hands, have a seat. Friend, that stinks. That's not real worship. Real worship is when you love the Lord God so much with all your heart, it doesn't matter if anybody else claps their hands, you're gonna clap your hands. Doesn't matter if anybody else shouts, you're gonna shout. Doesn't matter if anybody else stands up, you're gonna stand up and worship God. But the pommel worm has come by and stolen our exceeding joy. And then some of our churches replaced it with choreographed dancing. Sir, look here. Those women in the tight tutus will make the spirit move on you, but it won't be the Holy Ghost. It'll be that other spirit. The spirit of lust. The spirit of hell. And I hear some people say, well, it's better than nothing. No, it's not. But friend, the pommel worm has come by and stolen our exceeding joy. We're just not willing to take God's medicine to get right. Instead, we want to pop it up, fake it up, speed it up. We figure if we can get the worship going about 110 miles an hour, get the preacher to preach a little bit louder, jump a little bit higher, we'll all think it's the Holy Ghost, and then we'll just... Got mighty quiet in here. (laughs) Was it something that I said? But friend, the pommel worm has come by and stolen our exceeding joy. And then the locust comes by. The locust eats the backbone out of it. The locust eats the stock of the plant. And the locust has come by and has eaten the backbone out of many of our pulpits. A lot of our preachers today that are preaching nothing but a love gospel, that in many cases it's just a cover up for sin in that preacher's life. It's like this. Don't judge me and I won't judge you. Leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. Don't offend me and I won't offend you. Don't look too closely at my life and I won't look too too closely at your life. And as a result, it's created a rebellious spirit in our churches. People that when they're confronted with sin in their life, they'll rear up at their pastor. And they'll say, who do you think you are to tell me how to live my life? I'm gonna work on my own salvation. Who do you think you are to correct me? 
There was a day when the preacher would get in the pulpit and tell you, you have to live right. But the locusts came by and ate the backbone out of many of our pulpits and out of many people sitting on the pews in our churches that claim to be Christians. Look here. There was, a day when, there was a day in every one of your lives when you first got saved, there were things that you would not have even thought about doing. And then a handful of you sitting here this morning, you began to tolerate sin and even embrace it. Now, I would venture to say this morning that there may be a handful of people here this morning that you would literally stand up and fight for your right to sit down in front of the television set and watch rated R movies on HBO. I didn't come here this morning to talk about God. I came to speak for him. We've had enough talk about God. I said it's time to get in the pulpit and speak for him. But there was a day when you hated sin. But the locusts came by and ate the backbone out of many of our pulpits, out of many of our pews, and then the canker worm comes by. That's the third one. That, that, that literally translates the canker worm to lick. And the canker worm has come by and licked off the testimony that there ever was a Pentecostal church. Some of our so-called Pentecostal churches that I go into, Pastor Tony, I'm afraid I'm going to be arrested for perpetrating fraud. Because there's a big sign indicating on the front of the church that it's, it's Pentecostal. Then there's no sign on the inside that there was a Pentecostal church. People sit there and stare at you like a zombie. Dead as last year's Christmas tree. And if you didn't hear an occasional amen, praise the Lord, somebody to give a tongues and interpretation about once a month, Many of these churches, you wouldn't know they were Pentecostal. But the canker worm has come by and licked off the Pentecostal testimony. And then the caterpillar comes by. And that literally translates to burrow. You see, the caterpillar burrows down and it eats away at the seed of the plant. The caterpillar burrows down and eats away at the root of the plant. And in many of our churches... Our Pentecostal roots have become so store-bought with all of this goofy, newfangled, uh, 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 new age activity that's come into our churches and people that know what the real thing is have been afraid to stand up and say it's not right and we'll have no more of it in the church. Here's what's popular today. A gooey grace gospel lace message that goes like this. Come to Jesus and everything will be good in your life. And the Lord just wants you to be comfortable. Somebody should have told that to the Apostle Paul before they chopped his head off. Somebody forgot to tell the Apostle Paul that all God wants for his people is just for us to be comfortable. But friend, the pommel worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar have come by. And as they're coming, there are signs that are on their way. And I want to give you those signs very quickly this morning. You know that they've been by, first of all, when you're drained all the time. You know that they've been by when the things that you used to love to do for God, you now find yourself having to make yourself do them. You know that they've been by when it becomes optional as to whether or not you come to church on Wednesday night for Bible study. We're gonna get home here. Use use excuses like, well, I would come to church on Wednesday night for Bible study and, and, and for the service on Wednesday night, but, but I work all day and I'm just too tired. And during the school year, my kids are in school and they've got homework and, and, and we're just too tired to come to church on Wednesday night. You know that they've been by when everybody during the worship is standing up with their hands lifted toward heaven, aggressively worshiping God and you just sit there with your arms folded. 
and you with an attitude like this. I don't want to. I just don't want to stand up. I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to clap. You clap and I'll watch. You know that they've been by when the things that you used to delight in doing for God, you now dread doing. I would venture to say that when you got ready for church this morning, you were not nearly as excited about God as you were on the day that you got saved. I don't call that spiritual maturity, do you? I call that digression. And it never fails. Dead, dried up, old time saints will walk up to a new Christian with an attitude like this. I can tell you're a brand new Christian because you still got all that fire and excitement down inside of you. But you hang in there for a little while longer and you'll be a prune-faced dry hide just like I am. I was in Walmart Supercenter back home where we live in West Monroe and there was one of the dead, dried up, old time saints from our home church standing right in front of me just chewing out this poor young lady working at customer service at Walmart. I mean, she was up one side and down the other and when she got done with that, she slapped her hand down on the thing, turned around and I'm standing right behind her and all the blood dropped out of her face. And she turned white as an albino and she looked at me and she said, oh, Dr. Todd, I didn't know you were standing right there. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-huh. You know, some of those same people will walk up to a sinner in the city and they'll, with an attitude like this, you need to get saved. Will it do to me what it did to you? (laughs) It sure will. It'll fill you up with joy. Can't you tell I'm full of it? Yes, (laughs) I can tell you're full of it, but that's not joy you're full of. I mean, no wonder we can't win just anybody off the streets here in Vicksburg, right? Walk up to the drug dealer with an attitude like this. Hey, Mr. Dope Addict, come to my church and you can frown like I do. Hey, Mr. Alcoholic, you look depressed. Come on over to our church, you'll fit right in. We know how to frown at our church. We've been frowning for five years straight. We hold the record in the Mississippi area. We got a trophy for it. It's an upside down U. But you know what? The truth is, I'll walk into some churches and I'll see people in there with an attitude like, well, I'm not getting anything out of this service either. Hear me, friend. This is not a welfare line. If you don't put anything into it, you're not going to get anything out of it. If you want to get something out of it, you're going to have to put something into it. It's not God's fault. It's our fault because he wants to baptize you with the power of the Holy Ghost. But you know that you've been drained. You know that you're, I know I look thirsty, but I, I won't drink this, but thank you for it anyway. <laughs> you know that they've been by when you're drained all the time. You see, a lot of people don't realize it takes a lot of physical energy to stay high spiritually. It takes a lot of physical energy to stay on top. And I found a long time ago, it's a whole lot easier to stay on top than it is to get down under and have to drag people back up the hill with you. All right, Elijah knew what it meant to be drained. You look at him that day on Mount Carmel. Elijah killed 850 phony preachers. Called down fire from heaven. He prayed and he made it rain. This preacher's got the goods anyway. You look at that story. Uh, The Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon him. He outran a team of horses 17 miles to Jezreel. That's the Holy Ghost anyway. you look at that story. Now, I know that there are some of you that don't even like to breathe deep, so you don't know what I'm talking about, but bless your little thumping gizzard if it ever gets on you. <laughs> Eli-
Elijah gets to Jezreel and Jezebel sent word to him and said, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah did something that every one of us have done at least once. Elijah tried to make a deal with God. Elijah said, God, I just want to quit. Elijah didn't want to quit. If he wanted to quit, he could have stayed in Jezreel in that motel room. Jezebel was on her way. He just wanted to draw attention to himself. Any of you know people that all they want to do is draw attention to themselves? That the people in the church that you don't want to ask them how they're doing because they never quite finish telling you? Hear me, when you get drained, you know what you need to do? You need to go to God, get down on your knees, say, God, I've worked hard, I don't feel good. I need the joy of the Lord to be my strength again. I believe this is the only place in the Bible where God's been caught off guard. God looked down at Elijah and God said, what? What are you doing whining like a little baby under that juniper tree? Last time I saw you, you were calling down fire from heaven and killing phony preachers. Elijah says, God, I just want to die. You know that I'm the only one left in this church that's still really saved. Nod your heads like a dog in the back of a 57 Chevy so I'll know you're still with me. Or at least give me a Catholic nod. Some of you more than anybody think you're Pentecostal, so just stay cool. Elijah, if it were today, Elijah would have said something like this. I don't want to teach Sunday school anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to work at the children's church anymore. I don't want to work at the nursery anymore. I don't want to work with the youth anymore. You know, that, you know uh, Lord, that, that, that my, my growth group teaching isn't touching anybody anymore. Does that sound familiar? Or am I the only honest person in this building? Elijah said, God, I'm the only one that left that's still saved. And God said, you're not the only one. God said, I've got 7,000 others that haven't bowed or need to bail. And if I were Elijah right there, I'd have thought, Lord, if you've got 7,000 others, where were they that down my karma when I really needed them? Probably sitting in a cave somewhere confessing. I believe the truth, I believe the truth, I believe the truth. Listen, I believe the truth isn't worth a dime to God. But we've got some of these charismatic cave dwellers in every one of our communities that are just sitting in the caves confessing. I'm still straight, I'm still straight, I'm still straight. Most of them are straight as a gun barrel and just as empty. Pull the trigger and no fire comes out of the end. I'll be honest with you, I'm sick and tired of some of these namby-pamby, limp-wristed, effeminate preachers that we have that get in our pulpits and give a little dissertation and tell a story or two and then say, God bless you and send you on your way. As you can tell by now, what we do and call right in our churches, if it's not right, I say, let's get it, let's get it out of the church and get the real thing in here and keep going for God. But you see, when you're drained, you lose the emotional overflow and you lose the excitement. You lose your joy. But after you get drained, then comes the next step. You get dry. Now be honest. Don't you hate dry church services? I do. Don't you hate dry messages? So do I, especially when I'm the one preaching it. You know why the church as a whole is in the mess that it's in right now? Because of all this goofy new age garbage that we've allowed to come into our church bodies. Because you know what happens when you get dry? You get flaky. I'm going to tell you something here that some of you are not going to like this at all, but that's okay because that's not why I'm here today. You see a lot of the garbage that we've allowed to come into our church bodies that does not line up with the Word of God? These people that brought the garbage in, it's not their fault. 
you and me that have been in this thing for any length of time, it's our fault. You see, if we'd have kept the fire of God burning and the oil of God flowing, the Holy Ghost would have come in and put all the other garbage out of business. Amen, amen, and amen. It's not these new people's fault. It's our fault for not keeping the fire burning. You see, anybody can sit in an ash pile and say there used to be a fire here, but you can't sit in a fire and say much of nothing. You've got to get up and move when you've got a fire burning down inside of you. I was in a revival at Glad Tidings Assembly of God over in Roanoke, Virginia, and with the very first service, one of, the, one of the board members that was dead as a doornail had the audacity to come up to me after the first service. He said, Brother Todd, you should have got in back when I did. I said, no, thank you, sir. It looks like it wore off. He said, well, I haven't got it. He said, I got in this thing back in 1978. I said, it looks like you haven't had a touch since then. He broke down and began to weep before God. He said, Brother Todd, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1978, a long time ago. And he said, but I've not been filled with the Holy Spirit ever since. And I've been serving on this board. The board gathered around that man and he got refilled with the Holy Ghost. And that revival went for more than three months long with a massive harvest of souls and people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me this morning, Refuge Church. Don't tell me what you used to have. If you used to have it, you ought to have some coals burning down inside of you and it's time for you to cry out this morning and say God come down here and fan the flames of revival and ignite a Holy Ghost fire explosion in my life one more time it's time for us to quit blaming God and look at ourselves and admit I got dry because when you're dry you're bored now don't you hate boring church services so do I don't you hate boring sermons so do I, especially when I'm the one preaching it. I think, my goodness, Sam, sit down, shut up, and let these people go home. People will come to the house of God and they'll sing like this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can tell by that look on your face. Nobody likes being dry in church and nobody likes being bored in church. It's like the porch with you always. You know, you know I've had the second dry service because we allowed the first one. See, if we would have come in here and saw us a little bit dry, we should have stopped right there and said, time out, we can take an offering later. We can have those announcements later. But right now, we're gonna run to the altars and pray through until God shows up. This isn't a glorified Kiwanis club where we just come in here and play games with God. You know why we had the third dry service? Because we allowed the second one. And on down the line, you can like that or you can not like that, gag, spit, chew, try to work your way around it. But listen to me, until it got to the point, didn't bother us anymore to be dry, didn't bother us anymore to be stiff, didn't bother us anymore to be bored, didn't bother us anymore to come in and say, well, this is just another boring service gone by. But friend, when you come into the house of God, you ought to already have the fire of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and say, God, I'm tired of being dead, I'm tired of being dry, I'm tired of being bored, I'm tired of being stiff, I'm tired of being drained. I've had to fight every devil in hell to be here this morning. Now God come down here and baptize us again in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because then comes the next step. After you get drained and you get dry, you get distorted. You know that you've got a distorted viewpoint when Pastor Tony is preaching against a sin habit that you want to hang on to. And you'll sit there and try to reason it out in your mind. Saying, well, really, what he's preaching about there, it's really just all in the way that you look at that. He must just have a different philosophy of ministry than I do. 
or, or it'll eat at you until you'll finally, you'll approach him with your Bible and you'll say, Pastor Tony, can you show me a specific scripture in the Bible that says I can't do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Can you show me a specific scripture in the Bible that says I can't snort cocaine? No, you can't. You know why? Because it's not in there. But if I told you I did a bump of cocaine before I came in here this morning just to have a pick-me-up, you wouldn't think very much of this preacher, now would you? I feel the same way about sowing discord among the brethren and gossip and backbiting and whispering. I feel the same way about that as I would cocaine. You know that they've been by. You know that you've got a distorted viewpoint whenever you walk into a room where two people are talking and as soon as you walk in that room, they stop talking and you think to yourself, oh, I know they were talking about me. Well, aren't you special? (laughs) To think that all people have time to talk about is you and your little carcass that you're toting around. You know, that's nothing but a bunch of rotten religious stinking pride to think that all people have time to talk about on planet Earth is just you and me. You know that you've got a distorted viewpoint when you get like Saul in 1 Samuel 16, 14. It says, the spirit of the Lord left him and an evil spirit, watch this, an evil spirit from the Lord came upon him. That literally translates a melancholy spirit. Now, I want you to be very honest with me this morning. As you can tell by now, I've been very honest with you, so it's time for you just to jump right in and join me. Isn't it true that there's nothing worse than a bunch of dead, dried-up Pentecostals, a bunch of has-beens and used-to-bees, a bunch of hardliners that have lost the victory because most of them have an attitude like this. Bless God, I've been in this thing all of my life. I know what works. It's my way or the highway. I'm right and you're wrong. That's distorted. This is the last part about being distorted and I've seen this more in the past year of ministry than I have in all of these years being on the evangelistic field. The last thing that a dead, dried up Pentecostal wants is for somebody who's got the good to come around them. Because if they see you experiencing what they used to experience or what they used to have and they don't have it anymore, it infuriates them. They get an attitude like this. I just hate that. If any of you ever come to that place before, oh, I didn't think any of you had. What you ought to do is get a copy of today's message so that in the future, if you ever run into this problem, you can listen to the CD and it'll help you through it. Then comes the next step. You get devastated. The apostle Paul knew what it meant to be devastated. He told the Corinthian church, he said, I've been beat up, pushed around, black eyes, bloody nose. I don't know if I can go on anymore. You know, when you feel like you cannot go on another step, The greatest comforter is always the devil. You say, I don't know if the Lord will ever move in my life like he used to. And the devil says, bad news, but it's not going to happen. I don't know if God is ever going to do the work in my life that he used to do in my life and and beyond. And the devil says, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings. It's just not going to take place. I want to tell you something that should bless your heart. It's blessed mine. The church did not get in the shape that it's in in one day. And it's not going to get all better in one day. Or one week. I found out a long time ago. If God brought me from where I am right now to where he wants me to be, in one day or one week, it would give me spiritual whiplash. It would break my neck. You know why? Because I'm not nearly as spiritual as I'd like to think that I am. And guess what? Neither are you. You're not nearly as plugged into the power of God as you'd like to think that you are. Just ask God and he'll tell you. Now I'm going to shoot you down the hard way. 
Isaiah 59, 2 says that what separates you from God is sin. That's it. We quote James chapter 4 out of context. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Draw nigh unto him and he'll draw nigh unto you. You know how that interprets? That if you'll repent of your sins, God will draw near to you. That's how that, that's how that is. Repent of not having an active prayer life or devotion time in the word of God each day. Repent of not telling people about Jesus. Repent of not faithfully attending the house of God. Repent of not tithing consistently. There's that T word. I love to preach on tithing. It's like pulling a big piece of tape off of a man's hairy leg. Ouch! <laughs> Repent of bellyaching and complaining all the time because then comes the final step. You get disillusioned. Some of you sitting here, God made promises to you a long time ago and they still haven't taken place in your life yet and you began to question God. Will God ever, ever heal my body? Will God ever get me out of this financial dilemma? Will God ever, ever uh, save my children? And I can't help but think of Moses. They spent 40 years to make Moses the world leader. Then it only took 40 more years for God to get all that garbage out of him. God put Moses on the backside of a desert shoveling sheep dung. Talk about knocking a man down a notch or two. He pulled the rug right out from under Moses. Moses became spiritually blind and wandered aimlessly in the desert. If I could say anything at all about Moses this morning, that should jam-pack this building out. Every time the doors are open, it's this right here. Moses had to turn away from his daily routine to see the burning bush. You're going to have to turn away from your daily routine to be in the house of God. Sir, you may be tired after working all day, but if you'll come to the house of God, God will meet you in this place. Young person, you may have to work real hard to get here in the house of God, but if you'll come here, God will meet you in this place and do a work in your life. Ma'am, you may not be able to stay home on Wednesday night and watch The Voice or, or American Idol or, or America's Got Talent or, or, or uh, Dancing with the Stars or, or the latest version of Dynasty or whatever else you want to watch. But if you'll come to the house of God with a heart hungry for the things of God, he'll meet you in this place. Moses became spiritually blind and wandered aimlessly in the desert. I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. He said, watch this. He said, I have come for the recovering of sight to the blind. I guess if you're recovering from it, it means you had it once, but you don't anymore. Is that what the recovery means? We've got people like that in every one of our churches. Some of them look you straight in the face with an attitude like this. Well, the Lord touched me back in 1974 and he knows what pew I'm fried to. If he wants to touch me again, he knows where I'm at. I found that a long time ago. It's very hard to steer a parked car. Abraham knew what it meant to be disillusioned. God told Abraham... I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You know what I like the most about Abraham? Never once did Abraham proclaim about himself. I'm a man of faith. But when he died, God wrote him up. I get so tired of these little preachers that come on what we call Christian TV proclaiming about themselves. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. I say, if you were, you wouldn't have to tell anybody about it. Let's just have some of it. Put it up on the show block and we'll see what you got. But God told Abraham, I'm going to make your seed as numerous as the sands of the sea. Now, how many of you would agree, that's a lot of children? But then 20 years went by, and Sarah was still barren. And, 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 and Abraham, and this is the worst part about this story, Abraham and, and God talked all the time. They were good friends. 
I don't know about you, but if I'd have been Abraham, I would have had to give God so many hints about those children that he would have had to tote hints off. I would have said, Lord, about those children you promised me 20 years back, I like boys. <laughs> I like girls. Human nature tells you every now and then Abraham had to hit God up for those children. But after 20 years, don't you know that Abraham became discouraged? He began to lose heart. He became disillusioned. Some of you sitting here, God made promises to you a long, long time ago and it still hadn't taken place yet in your life and you become discouraged and disillusioned. I've had people say, Brother Todd, you're wasting your breath trying to get people to be what they say they are. People have never been what they say they are, but you know what? I would rather push, pull, beg, and coerce you to come into the fullness of what God has for you and for this church body that rather than to be down and get down and be complacent because I want to see God move by the power of his Holy Ghost in, in Refuge Church. Finally, after 20 years, God woke Abraham up. And that's another sign that they've been by. Some of you, when you first got saved, God would wake you up in the middle of the night to talk to you and you'd sit on the edge of your bed and listen to everything God had to say. But now somewhere down the line, God wakes you up in the middle of the night and you, you wake up and you say, God, I, I've got to work in the morning and I'm just too tired to talk to you tonight and I'll, I'll talk to you in the morning and roll over and go back to sleep. Amen, amen, and amen. God said, Abraham, get up. It may be that Abraham said something like, God, I'm an old man. I'm too old to be getting in the middle of a real Holy Ghost revival. God says, Abe, get up, bud. I want to talk to you. Abraham says, God, I've listened to every one of those tapes from Tulsa and I've still got pain in my lower back. You know, God wants to send a massive outpouring of the Holy Ghost to Refuge Church so that some of these children that are sitting throughout this audience that have never seen a real sovereign outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they've only heard about what God has done in the past, they're gonna be smack dab right in the middle of what God is gonna do. And it's getting ready to happen right here in this church body. But we're gonna have to let him do it. Finally, after 20 years, God woke Abraham up and you know how wives are. No doubt Abraham was leaving the tent and Sarah looks out and she sees him and she says, what are you doing out there, old man? You get back in here and go back to bed. You're gonna fall down that, that out in that desert and break your hip. A bear's gonna get you out there. Abraham, Sarah, you go back to bed. God wants to talk to him and I'm gonna find out what he has to say. How many of you wanna find out what God has to say? Abraham gets outside and no doubt Abraham has got his head looking down because the Bible says that God had to tell Abraham, look up. He said, Abraham, look up for I am your shielding and your exceeded great reward. And, and Abraham looks up and it was probably a beautiful black velvet sky with stars flung out across that sky like beautiful diamonds. And God says, Abraham, start counting the stars in the sky. So Abraham starts counting one, two, three. You see, God was using this as an illustrated message. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Let God let him go on a little bit further. 857, 858, 859. God says, Abraham, stop right there. You can count all night long, but you'll never get them all counted because hear me this morning, there are 250 million times 250 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone and there are millions and millions of galaxies and God said, Abraham, I'm gonna make your seed as numerous as the stars in that sky. He said, Abraham, I haven't abandoned you. I haven't thrown in the 
towel on you. I haven't turned my back on you. I've only been testing you. I've been trying you. And now I'm going to bring you out of this dry time. And God is looking down at Refuge Church right now. Some of you sitting right here, your fire may have gone out. Your oil may have dried up. But God is saying, I haven't abandoned you. I haven't thrown in the towel on you. I've only been testing you. I've been trying you. And now I'm going to bring you out of this dry time and restore the years the locusts have eaten away and baptize you in the power of the Holy Ghost. Give him praise this morning. God wants to do a brand new fresh work in this church body. He wants to restore what the devil has stolen from your family, from your home. In Jesus' name. He wants to break off what's not pleasing to him and fill you up with everything that he has. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. Just begin to magnify him. Glorify him. Worship him. Come on, lift your voice to him. Holy Ghost, have your way and do your work. Holy Ghost, do what you want done. Let the power of God that raised Jesus